This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast with Alex Milsom and Shivani Dave. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Virgin Radio Pridecast, fit for a brand new month with me, Alex Milsom. And with me, Shivani Dave. And with the return of Virgin Radio Pride, our pop-up station for the LGBTQ plus community coming very soon. <laughs> we are going to be talking all about the power of community this week. But first, Shiv, the most important question that was on everybody's lips. How was your week? I went viral on TikTok. Well, I don't know if you count it <sighs> oh, as viral. Casual flex, casual flex. I don't know if you count it as viral, but it was like viral for me. 20 I did... people, including your mum? No, my mum does not support my TikTok career. Mm. She feels that t- far too much energy was wasted on my education for me to throw it all away to try and become a TikToker. But has she seen the dance to Doja Cat Say So? That's true. That's true. Maybe I need to put that in front of her and she'll change her mind. Um, you always th- put things back in perspective. Yeah, I know. How I'm, was your I, week? I'd be a really good counsellor, wouldn't I? Well, I brought a new bag. That has been the highlight that I've gone around to everyone in the office today. <laughs> I've got a new bag. I can confirm that happened. <laughs> That's the worst part. It's actually not even a false anecdote. Um, I had some. Uh, I had a bank holiday breakfast show on Virgin Radio Groove, which was fun. And... I also went to see To Kill a Mockingbird in the Gilgud. I can't pronounce that name very well. Um, Give it a go. Gilgud. This sounds like really budget ASMR, the way that I'm putting all these syllables out. Hello and welcome to ASMR. I actually don't know what it's called. It's like G I E L U D. And this has been far too much time spent on trying to name the theatre. How was it? Did you find out How to Kill a Mockingbird? Um, that's not funny enough the premise of it, but what? It, uh, it was a really good play. Um, Rafe's ball was very good, and I had a lovely time. I also went to the yard and had some cocktails. I've not had a cocktails out in Soho for about two years. Very so, exciting. Uh, this was very exciting. The most good and uh, Cosmos. I, I, apparently, I like those now. <laughs> I noticed you didn't invite me. Anyway, what, what's the next part of the script? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so good week all, all in all. Appears that you had a good week. Yeah, yeah, it was all right. It was, yeah, not a bad week at all. Nice. Can't complain. Nice. Can't complain. What am I on about? <laughs> so last week, <laughs> last week on the show, we spoke all about the benefits and the downsides of using social media within the LGBTQ plus community. But that community extends offline as well. And this week we're going to be chatting all about the power of being part of a community as well as, of course, some of the downsides. So let's get started hearing from our very own Matt Cain and author Lo Shearing, who chatted about the power of having a shared set of experiences with other community members. I wanted to ask um, Lo, you know, the idea, one of the, another thing that I love is this idea of belonging to a community who were all bonded by a shared experience. You know, we've met each other when you walked in here, um, literally five minutes before we started recording the show, you feel, I always feel a kinship. You know, I I was on holiday a few weeks ago and, um, you know, when you're in a foreign country and you meet other gays for gay men, you know, I love the fact that we can just instantly start talking. Is this sense of belonging to a community something that appeals to you about being queer? Oh, absolutely. And it's something, as someone who dates women and obviously all the queer women I date sorry all the women I date are queer and you know the men I date or have dated some have been straight some have been bi 
but there, <laughs> there's a marked difference between going on a date with a straight man and going on a date with a queer person. Because with the queer people, especially if women, as soon as you meet, you have that kind of shared connection and shared experience even if it's just something as simple as like when did you come out what did your parents yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas with straight men i find it a lot harder sometimes i have to work a bit more to find that common ground you know it's not built in i'll tell you one other thing actually we're gonna have to have a break but i'll tell you one other thing i love um you know i've said about feeling that bond with people i love walking into a bar and thinking these are my people and i like the fact that we have a separate kind of queer scene with bars and clubs you're both nodding very quickly before we go to music do you agree with me i do i think it's just that idea that you know here's a safe space for me here's a place i can you know just let go and have fun our clubs always have better music as well <laughs> <laughs> but first things first about that clip have we accidentally stumbled into Matt Cain trying to be Dermot O'Leary by saying he's going to throw to a break? It's like he's on the X Factor. <laughs> it was a little bit X Factory. But... Matt Cain does have the X Factor. Yes, he, he definitely does. He definitely does. His Sunday roasts were delicious. Maybe um, not the singing X Factor, but a different kind of X Factor. Yes, very much so. So, um, <laughs> there was I did actually think about that clip as well. I just thought Matt Cain needs a career in telepresenting. I fine that one of the first things everyone does on their first date is like the the classic old question so do your family accept you yeah <laughs> it's, that's it it's like it's a, it's a very good baseline to start your dating conversations being like have you been excommunicated from your family and community or was it was it coming out all right yeah there is a little bit of that i i do think that even if you've got different experiences and you've got a really positive experience or a really negative experience and the person you're talking to doesn't have that same experience, there is kind of like a mutual understanding of the sort of feelings involved in the possible angst or nervousness before coming out. Yeah, of course. The fear, perhaps. And yeah. also the joy of being out. Yeah, the joy. I always find that when you have those conversations with, with fellow queer people, it's always the first thing that you kind of go oh isn't it so much better out than in you know isn't it so much better now you ventured out your closet and also now you've got more space to put more clothes because you're more fashionable as an lgbtq plus person it's great and exactly. that's always the starting foundry of a conversation or <laughs> foundry yeah no I, t- I totally am with you on that and i think there's often a confusion with the fact that because we are this LGBTQ plus community and we are this vast community full of lots of different people with lots of different experiences, that we are sometimes sort of seen as one homogenous group. And obviously we're not. This week we've had elections and voting and I'm sure not every LGBTQ plus person voted in exactly the same way as the next person. No. The next LGBTQ plus person. But I do think that... It is a really good starting point for a shared experience. But there is something that I want to touch on because Lou mentioned dating straight men. And after one too many drinks on a bank holiday Monday in a sunny pub garden a couple of weeks ago, I did end up having this conversation with a bisexual woman I know who is married to a straight man. And I was just like, what do you talk about? <laughs> so, who's the RuPaul Drag Race UK fan and who's not? I just, I just, I have spent so much of my time in my life socially with 
my queer community with my queer friends and we all go to the the nights out and and our lgbtq plus spaces which we'll touch on in a bit but those are the places that i hang out for fun those are the people who i hang out with for fun like obviously in a work situation or whatever i'm meeting lots of different people but the people in my community tend to have very similar experiences or shared experiences with me and i just feel like um I'm being more and more distanced from the straight male community, which was a community I once used to passionately date. Passionately as well, as, a, as an addition to that. Why, why, why just date them when you can passionately date them? Passionately date, oh. Gosh. Yeah. Well, we've heard from Matt and Lowe about the shared set of experiences which the community has. And at the end of the clip, we also heard very briefly from historian Dan Vo. I love how you've just swiftly moved on, but Dan is much more eloquent than me. So let's listen to him again, this time talking about the outsider perspective that we gain from being part of the LGBTQ plus community. I think part of, uh, with me as well, growing up in a Vietnamese background uh, with a Vietnamese family, there, there, there is such an expectation for you to kind of get married, to have a child, to carry on the family name. There's this sort of you know, patriarchal society, this Confucian sort of elements of society that has been you know, ingrained in the way that you're taught to, taught to grow up to become something. And I think I, I often think sort of that, that outsider aspect that you, you're both talking about, you know, the fact that we are on the fringe of society, and then also you know, you're, you're defying the ideas of what uh, you know, your family is expecting, your parents are expecting. You. I think it does make you that little bit more receptive to other people who are the same. And so I think when we are at a stage now where you know we are asking for people to stand in solidarity with others and and looking for ways in which we can connect, you know, find the differences that actually you know are the common the, what we have in common more than our differences really. I think that's what really enables queer people to do that because we we know what it feels like to be on the yeah. outside, but we also know what it feels like to sort of say, well, you know, I'm going to open up my arms because this has happened to me before, and I'm going to embrace you as you are. I think Dan is basically more eloquently wrapping up what I was trying to say previously, that when you are LGBTQ+, if you're not experiencing exactly the same thing, you still kind of get those same vibes. Yeah. You, you, you sort of, you might not have the same life experiences, but you vibe off of each other simply because, you know, we're all effectively a process for existing. What has happened to you? You're so deep today. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Shiv. It's been a week. Alex has been watching a lot of documentaries. <laughs> I know. Basically, I am David Attenborough now. I'm going to give you the most important perspective on life. But before speaking of people with amazing voices, I think Dan has to be my favourite voice on the Virgin Radio broadcast as a clip. Oh, my goodness. What a clip. Dan is a beautiful human being, really lovely. I've actually got a really um, funny story about Dan that I'll tell you after the podcast. In Virgin Radio Podcast after hours. Yeah, exactly. Subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> there are shared experiences that we all have, and it's not just feeling like we don't fit in. Sometimes it's feeling like the world doesn't see us for who we are. And yes. I think that is the common thread that runs through our community. And being able to tie that in with the different groups and the different people that you hang out with is really important, I think. Yeah, and I think that sense of outsider perspective is something that we only realise is so useful when we grow a little bit older and we meet others in the community with the same perspective. 
Exactly. But how do we meet people in our community? We've already discussed the dating apps and the nightlife. Let's hear... Grinder. <laughs> let's hear now from Monty Moncrief, MBE from LGBTQ plus wellbeing charity London Friend on the work that they do to encourage members of the LGBTQ plus community to socialise. And then we have our groups, uh, group work program. So we have an, uh, a whole range of informal and more structured support and social groups, um, you know, coming out groups, trans and non-binary group, activity groups like creative writing. Um, and really what we're trying to do is... Oh, yes, is called Pink Ink. I thought that Pink was right there. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Someone thought long and hard about that, didn't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what we're trying to do really with those groups is improve people's well-being by social contact. You know, the the fact that they can come and meet other people in similar circumstances um, or come to a space which is about socialising without the pressures of the, the commercial scene, you know, and build confidence and build connection. And just, you know, the, that interaction with people is so important. It really is. And, and that's the trouble that's happened over the years is that gay people traditionally have always met in bars and clubs. And it's all about the alcohol and the partying. Mm-hmm. And actually, there aren't those sort of safe spaces. They're sort of few and far between, aren't they, where you can meet people in a sober environment and actually talk to them properly. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when I volunteered at Switchboard, you know, if we took a coming out call, you could guarantee that at some point in that call, the person would go, well, where's my local gay bar? Because mm. that was the first place that people thought of to go and yeah. meet other people. And actually, you know, there was often loads of local, you know, support groups, activity groups, things going on. I remember, you know, it was before the internet and we would read the, the listings in the back of Gay Times and Diva to yeah. try and find, you know, suitable referrals or suggestions for people and the diversity of things that were available you know daytime dykes for women who wanted to be um in the the during the daytime uh gay doctor who fans wow. you know caravanners bird watchers you know and all you know all sports whichever kind of sport you can you can think of you know some way of, of being involved and in, and playing that as well as kind of you know religious and faith groups and th- there was so much going on out there but i think you know people didn't always find the or have the means of navigating that if they didn't have any contact into the community so what i find interesting is we've spoken about this before on the podcast on the dependency the queer community revolves around alcoholic social spaces and of course there are the alternatives but also i think there's sometimes a bit of a problem if we look at the wider 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 picture i'm being very deep and philosophical today but surely surely we should be in a place in society where we don't need our own spaces to feel safe to dance and bop around. Actually, it would be quite nice if we could feel safe to dance and bop around in the same spaces that straight people have, rather than feeling like we're going to be kind of beaten up in the middle of a a straight club because we've given someone the eyes, as as has been threatened to me before in a well-known London nightclub. I, I see what you're saying, but I disagree. <gasps> oh my goodness! Is this our first Pridecast disagreement? No, we've definitely disagreed on things before. But okay, I probably I've worded it. I worded it in a way that makes you feel like I'm agreeing with you. I'm like, yes, so, and, and everything really you're saying think... is wrong. But I think, um, <laughs> no, I think, I think. I, I get that. I, I want us to feel more comfortable in straight spaces, in spaces that aren't ex- that aren't explicitly queer. Yeah, I get that. But I don't want that to come with the erasure of queer spaces. What I mean by this is we can have the LGBTQ plus spaces 
and we can go into the straight spaces, but the straights cannot and should not come into our spaces. Oh. <laughs> I know, it's a controversial line. Yeah. It's a controversial line. It is a controversial one, but I do understand in the sense of, and that's that's me disagreeing with you, but being really polite about it. I do understand in the sense of, you know, you want to, if you're trying to find fellow community members, you kind of want to know that the people you're going to be bumping into are also fellow members of your community. That's kind of like a really important part of it being an entire separate community space. It's a space that you kind of can go to someone. Oh, you're looking very attractive. And they might be someone who you're attracted to and they're not going to take it the wrong way as they probably would do in a typical heteronormative nightclub where all of a sudden being accused of being gay is an insult and something that, oh no, oh no, that doesn't happen here and then becomes a problem. Yeah, yeah. You obviously don't want to go into those spaces that are problematic for LGBTQ plus people, but Alex, do you know I play football? Have I ever mentioned that before? No, no. This is this is brand new information to me. So I Carry play on. football for, with a team that is a women and non-binary team and it's completely inclusive. And what they mean by that is anyone can join if they're a woman and a non-binary person. And the people who sign up to the club are all either women, non-binary people, trans-inclusive uh gay, lesbian, bi, all their straight people who are fully on board. And there's like a nice thing there where not everybody is like one homogenous group of people. Yeah, you, you've got the diversity of a community coming right through. Yeah, we, we play football and that's the thing that brings us together and it happens to be that some of us are queer and some of us are straight. And Wait, you play football at the football club? Yeah, we play football at the football club. Groundbreaking. And then we go for pizza afterwards, it's great. Okay. I run around for like an hour and then I'm like, pizza. <laughs> to be fair, that's a, a very reasonable kind of like, did sport, now I'm going to eat the calories that I would have burned off doing the sports. Yeah, exactly. As a treat. Yeah, yeah. It's always a really greasy pizza as well, but like greasy in a good way. And I think spaces like that are great. Spaces where you can integrate like-minded people who don't necessarily always have to have the same gender or sexuality as one another but I think it's it's one of those things that's kind of like it's hard to find unless you know what to look for like yeah I wouldn't if I didn't know someone who was in a similar club to mine I wouldn't know to google LGBT inclusive women in non-binary football club you know it's they're not the places that are sort of front and centre when you look for a football club to, to be a part of yeah, and finding those those people that kind of latch you in is, is why you need to have those spaces that you just know by default. I remember my, my best friend Sean taking me to GAY Bar in the middle of Soho. Did you get a GAY card? I do now have a GAY card. Nice. But um, that's a separate thing. But I do remember the first time that I went there and it was just so refreshing. I kind of felt, as actually as an outsider, I felt, ooh, this is a bit, ooh, ooh, I'm not sure how I feel about being in this space. But then gradually because i was there with a friend one you of my first gay friends yeah i felt really really comfortable and it was it was really nice i do think there's that element with the queer community that you almost kind of need 
people around you to bring you through like we yeah like the queer community can be so huge but like your core queer community your core lgbtq plus friends who can kind of show you the ropes or say i went to this night and it was great or i went to that night and you know it it's a little bit this or it's a little bit that too much techno not enough techno whatever it is you can start to build up that picture of the queer landscape that you want to live in yeah, I wouldn't have gone to the Glory, for instance, because it felt like quite a daunting place and, you know, drag communities all felt really scary. And I'll, I'll say a little bit later on about internalised homophobia and what that did for my standing in the community and all of those different things. But I had a good queer friend who wasn't out there to, you know, be malicious or trip me up and it wasn't an episode of Mean Girls and I wasn't about to be exposed on an assembly hall. Although, have you ever gone to a school where the assembly halls are just like, loads of seats no but that's a separate thing that's actually next episode of the podcast um how yeah it's, it's that whole experience of someone taking you through holding your hand gently like you're crossing a road yeah no <laughs> it's I, compelling wasn't it i no, i to- i totally get you i was just thinking about that because my experience is so different i feel completely at home in the glory i'll go to the glory by myself and i'll just have a drink and i'll chat to people there like when I say by myself I'll like usually meet someone there I'm not just at the glory by myself but I would feel completely uncomfortable doing that at GAY I'd probably wait for somebody if I was meeting a friend I'd wait for them outside or around the corner before going in and I feel like it's it's interesting that we've both got such different experiences and that's why the diversity of these spaces is so important that we need spaces that you know resonate with the different parts of this community even though we are sort of one we are also more commu- there, are, there, are, there are more groups within that and it's not the I'm not talking about groups L G B and T and Q and plus I'm talking about what our interests are because there's so much more than who we want to sleep with so we've heard about those positive things about being part of the LGBTQ plus community but as you mentioned all of those different groups can mean that alongside the importance of socialising there's those negative aspects as well we're going to find out more about that Alex right after your Virgin Radio Pride weekly updates with Daryl Jackson thank you hello first this week a man's been jailed for a minimum term of 12 years and 7 months after pushing a man off a cliff in what prosecutors describe as a gay hate crime Scott Johnson a 27 year old American mathematician was found dead in Sydney in 1988, but police initially thought it was suicide. Earlier this year, Scott White, who's 51, admitted to his murder. Mr Johnson's brother, Steve Johnson, spoke after delivering a victim impact statement before sentencing. It was very emotional, um, but we had a chance to look the offender in the eyes. I don't think I took my eyes off of him most of the time I was talking, and he didn't take his eyes off, off of mine. Joe Biden has named Karine Jean-Pierre as his next White House press secretary, making her the first black and openly LGBTQ plus person to hold that position. Jean-Pierre will take over the coveted role from Jen Psaki, who's due to leave the White House on the 13th of May. Callum Scott and Hayley Kiyoko are the first performers added to the lineup at a special Pride concert happening next month. It'll commemorate 50 years since the first march took place in the UK. We're told the show at the Royal Albert Hall will also feature iconic trailblazers from the LGBT plus community. 
Dolly Parton says she's honoured and humbled to accept her induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The country music star initially resisted the honour, saying she hadn't earned the right. But she said on social media she will now accept the accolade gracefully. Eminem, Lionel Richie and Duran Duran have also been voted in. That's all for this week. I'll have much more next week. Thanks, Daryl. Now, last week we spoke all about some of the fighting, which comes about from people sharing their opinions on social media. But lots of this fighting can happen in person within the community as well. Alex, I know you want to know what's causing this infighting. Yes. So let's hear from author Laura Kay on why she thinks that there can sometimes be tensions within the community. I think if you perceive someone to be... Um, expressing themselves in a particular way and then you perceive their lives to be really exciting or successful or something that you don't have, um, that is when those voices come out and they think, how how can you live like that so openly and so freely? And then, you know, and maybe you're not what I imagined a lesbian to be or a gay man to be or whoever and you're managing this anyway and I have struggled so much and so why am I here and you're there but you're still you know, dressing in a particular way or you're really, you know, camp or you're really, you know, whatever. People, I think there's a lot of things where if you, like, pass as straight, then people, you know, find that incredibly difficult because they don't and then that's a whole other thing and I completely understand and I would come at that with a lot of empathy. Um, I think there's a whole lot of reasons why people sort of lash out, especially on social media, where it's so easy to do it. Yeah, I mean, I see what she's saying I think there's a lot to unpack and it it can't all be swept into one thing because you've got the fact that queer people often signal to one another to sort of show that they're part of the queer community. Then you get the fact that people are just expressing themselves how they're expressing themselves. So the whole thing about straight passing, I get that and I understand that. And there are sort of challenges and and benefits to being quote-unquote straight passing. But then also we say when people are dressing in slightly more of a camp way or flamboyant way, we accuse them of queer baiting if they're not part of the LGBTQ plus community. And I really think that as society, not just LGBTQ plus people, but as everyone, we need to kind of get over this, like, you have to look a particular way if you're gay or if you're straight or if you're trans or if you're non-binary, because the whole point of this sort of, like, LGBTQ plus queer utopian liberation that our community is saying that we are striving for is the fact that we're not holding anybody to these sort of, you know, standards of what is and isn't acceptable what is and isn't normal yeah how are you going to have a liberated free community if you're still setting parameters in which you're supposed to look and the answer is you're not exactly and i think you know i get it i get signaling i wear a carabiner on my belt loop because i want people to know if they couldn't tell from my mullet or my dress sense they've got the carabiner and they know for a fact i'm a hundred percent part of the queer community have you seen my jeans that i wear literally to everything like i i I have to go to like smart things and i will still manage to incorporate some ridiculously skinny jeans ones that basically make me sound like i'm a hinge that needs wd-40 as i'm walking about (laughs) it's signaling that's important you know and then if if that's not clear enough i have on my uh, keys on my house keys i've got a 
a lanyard. I got that from the Virgin Radio Pride rap party. Oh, a little rainbow lanyard. I had that on my keys as well for yeah, a bit. Got, then got I put them on the, the carabiner. Oh, yeah. Gosh, carabiner. It's like um, you're Bob the Builder. Exactly. I feel very practical all the time. <laughs> But can they fix it? Yes, it they more. can. It's more like, can they unlock the house door? Yes, they can. It's a challenge to all yeah, of us. Yeah, it's a struggle. But it's actually a struggle at the moment. My lock's a bit stuck. But, <laughs> yeah, with signalling, I think signalling is so important, right, within the community. And and I, as, as I'm saying this, we need to move past the whole need for queer people to look a particular way or to, to show a particular aesthetic I'm also a little bit like yes but I'm not ready to give that up yet <laughs> yeah but you're allowed to have that you're, you're the parameters you have to look like you feel like you want to look like to identify as a queer person outside it's, and about it's but as long as you're not as long as you're not prescribing it on other people that's actually fine you have your parameters that you feel happy in but I mean I, I really start to enjoy you know seeing at LGBTQ plus spaces going out and about and seeing the different outfits you see, the different people, you know, seeing how our community that's as diverse as the rainbow isn't now split into seven colours. It's split into an entire spectrum of light and that's what it should be. Yeah. You know, not not in the sense of the identities that we could share and, you know, blend over, but actually a rainbow, if you look at a rainbow there, you don't go, that's the red strip, that's the yellow strip. You go, oh, there's the blend. There's like it's yeah. an entire array, and that's what it should be. That's what a community should look like. There's a whole spectrum about how you can express yourself, but I do feel like if somebody was wearing a carabiner with their keys on in their belt loop, I would think that they were part of my community, which does kind of make me feel like this really weird imbalance because obviously everyone and it's it's me. It's definitely me, and. I, you know, I'm sure other people experience this and I acknowledge that this is a thing that I feel and maybe shouldn't feel this way. But <laughs> if I see somebody sort of dressed similar to me or dressed in a way that I would associate with being part of the queer community with the Caribbean on the Keys, for example, coupled with some Doc Martens, for example, then I would potentially think that they're part of the community and I would maybe speak to them in a slightly different way. I would almost trust them a little bit more. I would sort of feel like we are all of the things that we've been talking about somehow having a little shared connection I would feel that and then if I were to find out that they were not queer or LGBTQ plus I don't I think I'd feel a bit uncomfortable I think I'd feel a bit cheated it's interesting because you know we are sort of even disagreeing on appearance and obviously you and I have known each other for a while now so we're able to have that like respectful conversation but you could see how these topics could be really charged and could result in people, you know, that infighting. And we've heard from Laura there about why there might be that infighting in the community, but what on earth can we do about it? Shivani, take it away. Well, someone who's used to dealing with criticism and comments from those within the community is TikTok inclusivity educator Benji Cousy. Let's have a listen to him speaking to Matt Cain about his call-out, call-in method. I think we need to remember that internalised oppression is still oppression. So if someone is acting out of internalised homophobia, they're still, you know, suffering from homophobia, which is an oppressive structure, um, you know, that oppresses us all, right? And so therefore we need to to consider that and keep that in mind in our approach. So 
something that I like to say is that there's a difference between calling out someone and calling in someone. And I think I'm more likely to call out someone outside of our community for saying something. Whilst if someone's in our community, then like, I'll call them in. So I, in a, and that's in a more kind of sensitive way and being like, hey, I'm not having a go, but I'd like to have an, like an open discussion about what you said because I feel like it's wrong in X, Y, Z ways, if that makes sense. I think that's great because, you know, there's no point in, in antagonising people for having different views to you. You might not disagree with everyone in the world. You might not agree with everyone in the world. But there's no point in antagonising those people. So I think in our community, people are a lot more understanding if you're in the community rather than out. They're a lot more tolerant to when you get things wrong, you put a, a foot wrong, you misstep slightly, you misgender someone. They're a lot more tolerant, I feel, in the LGBTQ plus community than outside it. And outside it, you can kind of get, you know, annihilated for for missteps. Yeah, no, I totally see that based on, like, my experiences as well. But, and I think I think it is quite important to know how we speak to each other and to be careful and to be kind to one another when we're having these conversations about things that can be heated and can sometimes feel a little bit like a minefield, especially when we're talking about the latest language to use around gender or sexuality. And... You know, part of being in this community and part of being inclusive of LGBTQ plus people is the fact that we are constantly learning, we're constantly evolving our language and we are constantly trying to be more and more inclusive. And that's that's really important to, to acknowledge and to remember because you might be the expert on all things to talk about this specific subject and somebody who is newer to the community or newer to learning about that subject needs to be able to have the opportunity in the space to say maybe say the wrong thing with the right intentions and be taught what it is they should have said or to be taught how to say it you know a lot of the time people use outdated terms for example and no one is the finished product so I think there's an element of needing to be kind to one another yeah of course you know there's been many times in which I've put a step wrong, but I think it's easier to prove that positive intent, which is I've never had the malicious intent when I misstep. But it's so much easier to prove that positive intent when you are a member of the community. You'd be like, well, you're a member of the community. It's clear, 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 clear here that you weren't doing it maliciously. So yeah. it's okay. Handshake. We'll be fine. Everyone hugs. We kiss and make up. Yeah. I think I think the the one area though I would sort of disagree with Benji here is the fact that even if it's not somebody from within the community who makes the misstep, I think there's an there's a place for allies, for friends and family members who aren't part of the LGBTQ plus community to learn as well. And so I understand the calling in and calling out method, and I think there's there's a great premise in that. But and and I'm sure Benji wouldn't sort of like immediately go for someone if they say the wrong thing. Of course. But to be clear, I think there needs to be a sort of first you call people in, whether they're inside the community or outside the community. You call them in. You say actually, like, look, this is this is what we say and this is how we say it, and this is maybe why we say it like this. And then if they continue to get it wrong, you can cuss them out. Yeah, call out. I like the call out, call in method but i do prefer the blondie method of call me <laughs> and on that note despite <laughs> and you know despite the infighting which takes place if we deal with it sensitively i think there's still an awful lot to be said for the power of being part 
of that wider community we all are a part of. Absolutely. And on that more positive note, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for on this episode of the Virgin Radio Podcast. But we'll be back, as always, next week. If you'd like to get in touch before then, you can email us on pridecast at virginradio.co.uk. Or you can tweet us at Virgin Radio UK, remembering to use hashtag Virgin Radio Podcast. See you next week. Bye. Bye.